Luke, Luke chapter 2 this morning. I'm going to grab, a, grab the stool and use that for backup plan. <clears throat> Don't get nervous, though. Okay, I'm not going to show up tonight in a bandline shirt and jeans, all right? I promise. So, <laughs> you know, I, as I was sitting, sitting there looking out, and uh, I realized something we probably have right now. More people online than we've got here. <laughs> as, far as, as far as watching the services, I know Joel uh, made a comment. Uh, he, just, he sent me a message just a minute ago. And uh, uh, he said that Silas did very, very well on his uh, f- first Sunday school lesson. And uh, uh, my guess is Joel's probably watching right now. So that's a, that's a blessing. Luke chapter 2, let's all stand together if you would. Luke chapter 2, and let's read the first 12 verses. You read along silently as I read aloud. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, which being great with child, and and so it was that uh, while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, fear not, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity to be here. I'm thankful for each one that is here. Pray for those that are not because of COVID, because of other sicknesses. Uh, Lord, please uh, have your hand upon our folks. You've already done that, and we thank you for bringing us through the, uh, the sickness the way that you have. And we pray, Lord, that you just continue to watch over our people during this Christmas season. We're thankful, I'm thankful, for Christmas and for the opportunity we have to, to celebrate the first advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, when God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we pray, Lord, that as we read the Christmas story this morning, that we'd uh, get a blessing and, and get some understanding about, uh, about who you use. Uh, Lord, uh, uh, this is a, an amazing story to me, always has been. And I pray, Father, that, that you would just... Uh, by your spirit, work in hearts and have your will and have your way as Jesus Christ is lifted up and exalted 
this morning, and we pray your blessings upon uh, us as we as we hear the word of God. And may we respond to it as you speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. "Amen." You may be seated. The the first advent of Jesus Christ when he left heaven and came down here to earth was not uh, necessarily a hyped-up event. And when, it, when I say that, it was obviously predicted, it was prophesied, but uh, there, there wasn't a lot of fanfare. Uh, people, for the most part, didn't even know. In fact, the people that were in, in Bethlehem at the time uh, when the Lord Jesus Christ was born, the majority of the people had absolutely no idea what was happening in a stable behind, behind an inn. Uh, they, they did not know that the Savior had come to this earth and was born uh, in that manger. And uh, it, it was kept, kept secret, really, from most of the world. There were just a, a few that, uh, that knew what was happening. And, and God put in this, in this account, in this story, God put a whole bunch of insignificant people, insignificant things, insignificant tasks and places all together, uh, and insignificant incidents uh, in order to give us the Christmas story. Uh, keep your finger here in Luke and go with me to John chapter 1, if you would. John is the next book right after the book of Luke. John chapter 1, and you don't find the Christmas story, the birth of Christ, specifically uh, accounted for in John, but you do find the fact that God talks about the fact that God left heaven and came down here to this earth and, and was, was born. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and that's speaking of Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is the creator of the earth and the heavens. And verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Now drop down to verse 14. It says, And the Word was made flesh. God made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, what God did, uh, what God did use in order to bring the, uh, the God down to earth and put him in human flesh and dwell among us was a bunch of of really insignificant people, places, and things. And he put them all together, and when you put it all together, you have the first advent of Jesus Christ. Uh, again, keep your finger in Luke, but go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verses 27 through 29, and actually the, 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 the last part of 1 Corinthians 1, uh, more and more is becoming a very favorite passage of Scripture for me because it reminds us what and who God uses. 
And, uh, you know, sometimes, I don't know if you've ever had, had these thoughts. Uh, I know I have often. Uh, you see somebody who's not saved, but they have notoriety, they have talent, they have ability, they, have, uh, they maybe have a position in society, and you look at them, and you look at all that they have and that was, has been given to them, and they're not saved yet, and you say, boy, if God could just save them, if God would save, if they just get saved, man, what they could do for Jesus Christ. Can I tell you the truth? Most of the time when that happens, they don't do a whole lot of nothing. And, and sometimes they do more damage, I've, I've found, to the cause of Christ than they do, do, do good sometimes. What, why is that? Because God makes it very specific as to what he uses in this life. And I love this passage of Scripture. We're just going to look at three verses, uh, 27, 28, and 29, if you would. 1 Corinthians 1, 27, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world. And things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence." And the bottom line is, God wants the glory. And where he gets the glory is when he uses base things. What I want to preach to you on this morning is uh, the base things of Christmas. Uh, again, God brought a bunch of insignificant things together and, and uh, delivered to us God in the flesh. In him is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. First of all, he used base people. He used base people. God could have called wealthy people to, to bring the Lord Jesus Christ into this world, could, could have called scholarly people, could have called royalty. In fact, uh, I, have, I, have, I have seen, this is probably three or four years ago. Uh, I didn't watch it. I, I don't know a lot about it. But evidently, uh, the History Channel... Uh, was uh, operating on an assumption that Jesus really wasn't born into a poor family. He was really born into a wealthy family, that he had uh, everything at his disposal. Well, that's not true. That's not historical. That's not biblical. That, that's, that's totally false. Uh, and and, and, and the, the thing that's, that's uh, uh, interesting to note is that really he used the lowest form of people rather than the highest form of people to usher in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, when he gave uh, the uh, announcement to a group of people when Jesus was born, and by the way, <clears throat> I know we do this. I know we take the uh, account of the wise men and we put it together with the birth of Christ and we put him in a manger and so forth, but the wise men were not at the manger, okay? The only ones that were at the manger scene were the shepherds, the shepherds, not the wise men. The wise men came later. They came to a house that Joseph and Mary had, uh, had gone to and were living in at the time in Bethlehem. But when the actual birth took place, there was only one group of people 
that knew about it. And that group of people were shepherds. Now understand that uh, uh, shepherds were not people uh, in that society that were looked up to. In fact, they were disdained. Uh, they, you think about it, they spent all their time with sheep. You know what they smelled like when they walked into the manger? They probably smelled worse than the manger itself. And, uh, and they, they were not men of any kind of notoriety. And yet God chose those shepherds to be the ones that were notified about the, the birth of the Savior. Uh, he could have called, you know, he could have notified the intellectuals in Bethlehem, but he didn't. Instead, he, 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 he chose to uh, notify the shepherds and let them know about it. God could have chosen uh, well-to-do and socialite people uh, to, to carry Jesus in, in the womb. Instead, he picked somebody like Mary. She was a common girl. She was a common girl. She was from, from Nazareth. People of Judah despised the, the people from Nazareth. Uh, she, was, she was not, she was not a, a person of great notoriety, uh, of, of great fame. In fact, if, if you really look at this whole story and all the people that are involved, there are a whole bunch of nobodies. <laughs> I mean, really, in society during that time, they were just a bunch of nobodies. But God put all those nobodies together and gave us Luke chapter 2 and gave us the account and the story of the, 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 the first advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, God could have chosen a scholarly, well-to-do man to be Jesus' father, uh, and obviously not, not his birth father, but uh, he was, he was uh, his, uh, his stepfather, so to speak. And uh, instead, he chose Joseph. Joseph was a simple carpenter. And uh, in fact... Uh, the indication is, is that he was, he was very poor. And we know that because, in, in fact, you're in Luke chapter 2. Look down at verse 24. Uh, it's talking about uh, uh, Joseph and Mary and the sacrifices that they were going to give. And it says, And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now, normally... Uh, the sacrifice would have been a lamb, but a tur two turtle doves or two, two pigeons were offered because that was the offering of poor people. Uh, God, God didn't uh, make uh, sacrifices and worshiping God exclusive only to those that were wealthy. He made it open to all. Uh, and and th this makes it very plain that they were, they were not people of any kind of wealth. God delights in using common folks. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. But that excites me absolutely to no end. That means there's hope for me. That means there's hope for you. Regardless, regardless of, of who you may be, what notoriety you do or do not have, God delights in using common folks. And we read over in 1 Corinthians, he delights in using base people. Uh, base things. Uh, those are things that uh, are, are basically insignificant and, and uh, not of much worth. Uh, you, you, look at, you look at the scriptures and think about all of the different people that God used to do mighty works. 
you look at, you look at uh, who killed Goliath. Well, it was a shepherd boy. It was not a, a, a person who was of great notoriety within the army of Israel. It was, it was a, a kid. It was a teenager, probably, uh, who was um, probably an older one, but uh, who was out in the field tending his father's flocks. And, and God used him to be the champion of all Israel. Uh, you know, you, you look at who, who God used to save Israel from the slaughter that was impending uh, upon Israel from Persia. And, uh, and, and who God called was, uh, he didn't call a, an army strategist. He didn't call a, a dignified ambassador. He called, he called a woman. Her name was Esther, and Esther was the one that God placed uh, into that, the scripture says, into that situation for such a time as this. Now, yes, she became King Ahaz, Eurus' uh, uh, wife, but she certainly didn't start that way. She started as just a, a, a commoner. Uh, you look at, and we studied this in Sunday school uh, in weeks past, uh, who was it? that really directed Naaman to be able to get cured from his leprosy. It wasn't a doctor. It wasn't, wasn't someone, again, it wasn't someone of, of great intellect. It was a little servant girl. And she was the one who passed on the information, and eventually it got to Naaman, and Naaman ended up uh, following the instructions of the prophet Elisha and, and getting healed. Uh, you look at who, who it was that God used, and I love stories like this. Uh, who was it that God used to feed 5,000 people when there was no food? And he used? He used a young lad who had five loaves and two fishes. He didn't have much. He, what, what was that boy's name? Nobody knows. <laughs> it was never recorded what his name was. And, and, and yet, God used him in order to provide the food so that Jesus could take it and bless it and break it and feed 5,000 people all, all at once. Uh, you go to the book of Acts, and uh, there, there is a term that is used, or a phrase actually that's used, that uh, to me, just it spins my head every time I read it. It's, it, 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 it talks about uh, the people that, were, that had seen the disciples. Uh, they made the comment, these are the ones who turned the world upside down. Well, who were those guys that turned the world upside down? You know what they were? They were a bunch of ignorant, dumb, stupid fishermen, for the most part. Uh, and, and God took those insignificant people who, prior to all that, society had no clue who they were, yet God used them to, to get the gospel out. He used unlearned and ignorant fishermen. Uh, God uses base people. He uses base people. He not only uses base people, he uses base places. Um, where are some nice places that Jesus could have been born? He could have been born in a palace. He could have been born in a, a beautiful inn. In fact, they tried to get him into the inn. 
the Joseph and Mary tried to get in, and there was no room for them in the inn. They ended up, uh, give, she ended up giving birth uh, in a barn. Uh, God chose that barn. You know, it, it, you, you look at it and you say, well, they had to go to the barn because there was no room for them in the inn. God planned it exactly that way. God didn't want them in the end. God wanted them in the barn. And uh, he wanted to use the barn more than he wanted to use the inn. And, and again, it just shows you that God uses common things. He uses little and obscure places to do his work. Um, God used dungeons in order to give to us the Pauline epistles. Uh, much of what the Apostle Paul penned by inspiration, and I realize that, it was, it was given by God, but it was given by God not in a, an office somewhere, uh, not uh, out in the wilderness somewhere, but in a dungeon, in a dungeon, uh, in, a, in a prison. Um, God uh, uh, gave us a song that we have in our songbooks. It's written by by H.G. Spafford, and the song is, is called It Is Well With My Soul. He lost uh, some of his family on, a, on an ocean voyage, and uh, when he went on, on, a, on a ship and got over the spot where uh, he lost his loved ones, uh, that's when he penned the, the, the words to It Is Well With My Soul. Um, well, well, where was that? Nobody knows. You, don't, you, you can't pinpoint exactly where that, that is, but it was just somewhere out in the middle of the ocean um, in, a, in a shoe store in Chicago uh, years ago. A, uh, a man won, a witness to, and won a, uh, a, a young man to Christ. The man that got won to Christ was D.L. Moody. And, and he literally shook two continents. God used him to shake two continents for Jesus Christ. Um, one, of the, 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 um, one of the people that uh, our family enjoyed learning about, we, from time to time we would do, uh, when we had our kids in the home, we would do uh, biographies sometimes for family devotions. And we would read portions of, bio, uh, of biographies. And one of the biographies that we really enjoyed, uh, the boys and I enjoyed it especially, was a fellow by the name of J. Frank Norris. And in fact, uh, Jason today uh, is, is ministering not very far from where J. Frank Norris had his church in Fort Worth, Texas. And um, uh, J. Frank Norris did not have a pleasant upbringing. Uh, he, was, he was literally beaten by his drunkard father. And uh, God used that situation in his life to, uh, first of all, to eventually have him trust Christ as Savior. And then he, he developed a real hatred for booze. And he had a, a hatred for that, that crowd. He was used to closed down gambling institutions and used to, uh, to uh, uh, bring in prohibition. Uh, he, was, he was at one time called one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse by society. Uh, why was that? Well, because he was just a common guy. 
you know, you look at him and you, 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 you read his biography and you find out what he became. But don't forget where he came from. And he was really a nobody. He was a nothing. He was just a little boy uh, who really was very abused, you know. And again, you look at, you look at bad situations and uh, that, that, that even today that children are being uh, raised in. And God can take those kids and can turn their life around. It's one of the reasons why I'm so thankful. We have, we have the children's ministries that we do. And, uh, and as a church, uh, really, we have a burden for, 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 for children. Uh, kids are being brought up in homes where, uh, and, and I've said this to you before, and it's, it is oh so true. Uh, you bring some of these kids to this church, and they get more love in this church than they get all week in their homes or anywhere else. And that isn't always the case, but it is often the case. And we found that to, to be, be true. And, uh, and, and you just don't know what God could do with that and how God could use that. But God uses base people and God uses base places. And uh, God uses base things. He uses base things. He used a, a manger and he used swaddling clothes to wrap up the Lord Jesus. Uh, when when uh, God called Moses to lead his people, Israel, uh, out, of, out of Egypt, he used, he used, one of the things he used to, to signify the fact that he was with him was his rod. He took his rod, and that was just as basically the, the rod that he had throughout life. And, uh, and he just took that rod and he threw it down and it turned into a snake. And the magicians did likewise, and then his rod ate the other rods. I think that's neat. Uh, but but the, the whole point is, is that he used something that's simple and something that's base. Uh, when when uh, God uh, took down Goliath through David, what did he do it with? He didn't do it with a spear. He didn't do it with any other, uh, you know, with a bow and an arrow. He didn't do it with any kind of fancy weaponry. You know what he used? He used a smooth stone and a sling. That was it. That was it. And it just happened to fall right in the right place on his forehead where it knocked him over. And, and uh, uh, David came over, grabbed Goliath's sword, and cut off his head. Again, God uses things that we wouldn't normally think that could be, could be used, and yet he uses them for his purpose. Um, when, uh, when Gideon was led to defeat the Midianites, uh, what did God use? He used 300 pitchers, he used uh, lamps, and he used trumpets. Now, that's not what you'd normally think of for, for defeating a, a, an army like the Midianites. And yet that's what God used. He used some very base things. In this, in this story, he used a little town. We sing the song, O little town of Bethlehem. Uh, how sweet we see thee lie. Uh, the, the, uh, the point of the song is, is that it wasn't much of a town. It was a small town, little city. But God used Bethlehem. God doesn't need much. I mean, really, you think about it, it's God. And he doesn't need much, but he needs things that are available. He needs people 
that are available. And that's really the key to the whole thing. He uses, he uses base people, he uses base places, and he uses base things. Go with me back again, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And once again, look with me, if you would, verses uh, 26 down through, down through the end of the chapter. It says, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised, which, which, uh, things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. If you look at that list, it, it gives us four things that God uses. He uses foolish things. He uses weak things. He uses base things. He uses despised things. Now, those are not tools and those are not instruments that we, would, that we would necessarily choose to get a job accomplished. And yet God knows that with his power and with his wisdom and with his strength, he can use those kind of things and those kind of people, people like you, people like me, uh, in order to get his job accomplished. Um, you know, you think about it. Could God use the state of New York to get the gospel out to the whole whole world. Sure he can, and he's done it over and over again in history. Could he use a, a, a little town like Auburn? Who knows about Auburn? I, as, as I was growing up as a kid, uh, I, of course, lived in, lived in Rochester, didn't really even know much about Auburn. I'm not even sure I even recognized that it existed. Uh, I was given here, uh, oh, I don't know, several years ago, a book about, uh, about the city of Auburn and its history. And uh, when I was a kid, I loved amusement parks. In fact, I still kind of like them today. But uh, I loved amusement parks. I found out that Auburn had an awesome amusement park. It was out uh, you know, uh, by Emerson Park. It was part of it. And uh, it had a roller coaster. And I love roller coasters. I kick myself now. Why didn't I know about that? <laughs> Why didn't I come on over? Uh, but, but you think about it, really, we're a very insignificant town. Can God use an insignificant town? Oh, yeah, he loves to do that. He loves to do that. Um, how about your family? You say, well, it's just, you know, it's just my family. I, you know, we're, we're no great shakes. No, none of us are. Like Pastor Keck used to say, there's no big shots, there's no little shots. We're just kind of all shot together. <laughs> and that's really true. We just are kind of all shot together. Uh, but, uh, but, but God glories in using people like that. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. Who am I? I'm nobody. Who are you? You know, we're, we're, we're not much. 
but God desires to use us. Here's the key, however. God uses those who are usable. He uses what is usable. He uses those who are usable. Um, God uses people who are surrendered. And they're, they're surrendered to him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Who does God use in order to, to prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? He uses somebody who surrendered. Somebody who just says, here, my Lord, use me. Um, God uses people who are available. Available. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that boggles my mind, we have more conveniences today than we have ever had, and yet, for the most part, people are less available to be used of God. I, I have a burden, and I, and I, uh, I you probably picked this up uh, over the last year or so, but uh, I, I'm just burdened of the fact that We've got, we've got all kinds of churches. There's, there's anywhere between six and ten churches that I know of, and there's probably a bunch of them I don't know of, that are in the state of New York right now that don't have a pastor. There's one up in Mexico that doesn't have a pastor. There's one in Rome that doesn't have a pastor. Now there's one in, in Chile that doesn't have a pastor. Uh, there's one over in Newark that doesn't have a pastor. And honestly, uh, these church, some of these churches who have been a while without a pastor, I know the one, uh, the one in uh, Mexico has been quite, quite some time without a pastor. They can't find one. Can't find one. You know why? Because some folks are just not available. You know what I don't want to be said of me? I don't want to be said of me that God could have used me to accomplish this that he wanted accomplished in, in, in his grand scheme of things, but because I wasn't available, because I wasn't surrendered, because I wasn't usable, God, God couldn't use me. And God not only uses surrendered people and available people, but he uses Humble people. You know, I, uh, over in the Old Testament, uh, there was a fella who was a nobody. His name was Saul. And God chose him to be the very first king of Israel. Later on, Saul went bad. And the reason why he went bad was because he got proudful. And uh, the prophet said to him, he said, when thou wast little in thine own sight, that's when God used you. He said, when you were little in your own sight. Um, there, is a, there is a blessing of being insignificant. There is a blessing of being base. Why? Because God uses base things. You look at, you look at that whole Christmas story 
And there's no, there's nobody, I mean, today you say, well, yeah, there's famous people, Joseph and Mary, and <laughs> yeah, they're famous today. You know who they were back then? They were nobodies. They were nobodies. You know what God enjoys? He enjoys using base nobodies. Because he gets the honor and he gets the glory. Here's the question. Can he use you? Are you usable? It's not, you know, you don't have to go to God and beg him to use you. I don't believe you have to do that at all. I believe what you do need to, to make sure is that your life is clean, your life is right, your heart is pointed in the right direction, so that if he chooses to use you in a particular capacity, you are available. One of the things is you look down through that Christmas story, Every person in the story was available to God. Uh, God came to Mary and, and gave her good news. But really, when you think about it, it was going to cause her difficulty in life. You know, one of the things that I had never thought about until years ago, uh, someone gave my wife and I tickets to go down to see uh, down at the... Um, uh, down in Lancaster, uh, they had uh, uh, the, a production called, uh, at the Millennium Theater, they had a production called The Miracle of Christmas. I'd never seen anything like that in my life, and normally I'm a real skeptic when it comes to some kind of uh, uh, you know, Bible productions, because they usually mess it up. This one was very, very good. One of the things that I remember it grabbing a hold of me that I never really considered much, I knew it was a possibility, but I just didn't really think of it. They enacted Mary pregnant. She's not married yet, and she's walking through a crowd, and people are reacting to her. And they're, they're looking at her funny, and they're shunning her. I never thought of that before. But that, it wasn't a badge of honor to be pregnant out of wedlock back then. Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a dishonoring thing, and yet she was willing to go through that. Um, again, Joseph was put in a difficult situation. Uh, he found out that she was pregnant. And, and uh, uh, the angel came and told, told him that uh, you know, she was pregnant because of the Holy Spirit of God. And he, he put that seed in her, and uh, she was going to have the Savior. But again, uh, nobody, you know, other people probably did not believe that story at all, and he had to be willing to go through that. You, you look at the shepherds, and the shepherds were out in the field. What were they doing? They were watching their flocks. They were doing their job. And you know what? The angel came and said, you need to go to Bethlehem. Savior's born. Well, that, I don't know about you, but I don't like my, my routine uh, jostled, okay? I don't, I don't like someone coming in and saying, hey, stop what you're doing and go on over here. But they were willing to do that because of who it was and what it was. In other words, all of those people were available. Are you available? You know, we can make all kinds of excuses about why we can't serve God. And we can say, well, you know, I'm just this or I'm just that. I don't have this and I don't have that. And I understand that. I, I remember arguing with God when he called me to preach. 
And I said, God, you honestly, you don't want me. You know, like like I knew better than God. And uh, uh, I said, uh, you know, I've, I've I get nervous when I'm speaking. Uh, I, I I sweat profusely. I don't, you know, it's not something that I enjoy doing in front of people. Uh, I I'm I, I'm not all that intelligent, and 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 I don't, you know, I. I'm, I'm no great shakes. You know, that's exactly what God wants. And that's exactly who God can use. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, pray that you'd speak to our hearts this morning and help us to see that uh, God uses, Lord, you use base things. And you use base people. But we've got to be humble. We've got to be surrendered. We've got to be available. And Lord, we need to have a desire to want to see you serve us. And that doesn't mean we won't have problems, and that doesn't mean we won't have difficulties. You look at the, at the Christmas story, and it's surrounded by problems, surrounded by difficulties. Seems like every time Joseph and Mary made a move, there was a, there was a problem. But, Lord, you were in it, and you used it. And you brought the Lord Jesus Christ into this earth through two very humble, very base, very common people. And uh, Father, I pray that, that uh, you would work in our hearts and help us to have the kind of heart, and have the kind of spirit that we're willing to do whatever you call us to do, whether we think we're qualified, capable or not, because, Lord, uh, you use base things, and you desire to get all the honor and all the glory. Lord, if there's anything in our lives today that we're struggling with that might prevent you from fully using us, God, may we take care of that this morning. May we bring it to you and just surrender ourselves afresh and anew to the calling of God. Pray that you bless this invitation. May you have your will and your way in our hearts and lives. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand, if you would, with heads.